Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. everybody, this is Bob Salter. Just in my mind, I was going through a couple of different jokes. Well, after our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. And after our 9 o'clock update, Ed Randall will be by Talking Baseball here on The Fan. Now, in this hour of our program... We have a discussion that is timely, first of all, at any point. But this year seems to have taken on a special area of significance. And with some of the news from the past week, takes us probably to another level in terms of discussion, too. Because this month of April, which is almost over... One of the recognitions of the month is as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Now, I just say that and some people are probably like, whoa, 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 easy, whoa. Well, first of all, you need to pay attention because the statistics are off the charts and the discussion is important, and I'm hoping we're going to have a very good discussion and also involve some people listening to us in the discussion this morning. We have a guest who is joining us, and she's being quite a trooper because she's joining us from the West Coast. Dr. Arlen Diamond is joining us on our program. She's an internationally recognized leadership management, professional development, and organizational development consultant. And she's going to share some information with us on uh, this topic. First of all, good morning. Welcome to our program. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, you sound wide awake for the early hours. Oh, listen, this, I'm in my third cup of coffee. Well, i I got to hurry and catch up to you. I'm only on my <laughs> second one. <laughs> I, I can't believe that, you're on your third one already. Okay. Yeah, that's okay, because I'm going to go back to sleep <laughs> after, after this, this interview. The three-hour difference is enough to kill you. <laughs> well, there's so many different areas to go in uh, discussion. Um, let's do a little bit of your background. I mentioned the fact of your work as a, a consultant. Um, first of all, how did you get in the, this line of work? 
Well, it, you know, it's it's actually a long story. So to give you the the executive summary, abbreviated version, I grew up in in New York, worked in the business world, came out to California, went to college, became a psychologist. Uh, but I did it nights, working full time days. Um, and then when I opened my own practice, I was in the heart of the semiconductor industry, and a lot of people were bringing their uh, work related problems to you know to the couch, so to speak. And so then they started bringing me into their offices, and because of my business background and my psychology background, I was able to be really practical and helpful. And so that morphed over time into this consulting practice. Um, that's, the, that's the very short version of a very long story. Okay. Now, I mentioned in introducing you the designation for this month of April, one of the designations being Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, between the efforts of the Me Too movement, uh, this news from the other day in terms of the convictions of uh, Bill Cosby on three different counts in this retrial uh, outside Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, and the many other stories, a lot of them uh, coming from um, Hollywood, you know, there is a, a different attitude that it seems has developed about sexual harassment, sexual assault in terms of awareness. First of all, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think women have come into their own and come into power. Um, if you look at the numbers, and I'm not somebody that retains numbers very well, um, there are more women in the legislature. There are more women at the C-level in the corporate world. And so what was ignored or passed over or relatively unimportant or laughed at as boys will be boys, uh, girls and boys are different. And uh, we girls, um, we women just don't appreciate a lot of what had been acceptable. And so I, I just think that there's the change in the power base has enabled the Me Too movement to um, become powerful and stay powerful. And when we're talking about sexual assault, you know, as I said earlier, the statistics staggering. One in three women will experience some form of contact sexual violence in their lifetime. One in six men will experience some form of contact sexual violence in their lifetime. 63% of sexual assaults not reported to police. More than 90% of sexual assault victims on college campuses not reporting the assaults. But let's get to this idea of why is it that sexual assault has become so prevalent in our society, or is it that there is more attention being paid to it now? Well, I think there's more attention. I don't think it has become. I think it always was. 
um, I think that they're, from the beginning of, of time, have been bullies. And bullies take advantage of those that are more vulnerable. Uh, you know, we've all seen we've all seen pictures in books of you know the caveman dragging the cavewoman by her hair off to wherever he's dragging her. Um, we go back to the industrial revolution, and there's you know a zillion stories of uh, bully supervisors taking advantage of women who desperately needed the job. So um, it's not it's not something new. What is new is that we're now putting a light on it and we're now saying, hey, let's talk about it, let's not hide it. Um, even during during my career, I've known many women who have been ashamed to talk about it as though somehow it was their fault or somehow the fact that they were raped ha- has put a stigma on them that, you know, they're not whole anymore. Um, so I, I think that's what's changing as opposed to what bullies do. And I repeatedly say bullies because I don't want to, I I just don't want everybody to think all men are louses. They aren't. You know, just some men are. Just as some women are. If somebody feels that they're being sexually harassed or have been sexually harassed in the workplace, what would you recommend they do? Speak up. Uh, in the past, all too often, uh, the harasser was somebody that was um, higher up the food chain, so to speak, or higher, you know, had a higher uh, place in the in the organization than the. We could just be stereotyped for a moment than the woman that he was uh, annoying, harassing. Um, and so, if she reported it, she was told she was hypersensitive or don't make waves or things of, of that nature. Right now, the climate has changed, and it's changed in the direction of women being taken seriously. And I just need to put just a little caveat to that. One of my fears is that a lot of false claims will be taken as though they were true. And, you know, just one of the books I've written is on that subject. But in any event, I, I I think one of the responsibilities that I, as a strong, capable woman and an older woman, right, have, and, and I think many other women have, is we need to teach our um, more vulnerable sisters, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, how to say no, how to stand up for themselves, how to push a man away. Uh, and because most of us strong women you know, aren't being harassed or molested. You know, um, I have to tell you, you know, I grew up in the in the Bronx, and I worked in Manhattan, and I uh, am a redhead. I was a redhead still back then too. And um, riding the subways, you experience all kinds of disgustingly harassing behavior. And one of the things that I learned to do is to wear high heels, because if you put the <laughs> heel of your foot or the heel of your shoe in the instep of the man that's standing too close to you, mm-hmm. he backs off. <laughs> So I mean, we, I'm a Bronx kid. What can I tell you? We need to learn strategies. We need to teach strategies. And and I want to say something else. Uh, there were um, two complaints against. Um, I just went blank on his name. The newscaster. Um, Tom Brokaw. Thank you, and Tom Brokaw. And um, not to belittle the two women, but I think we need to be so clear 
as to what is just mildly jerky behavior, stupid behavior, and what is abuse. And and the fact that that a guy tried to kiss a woman, uh, or he put or she he put her hands on his chest, that to me is not abuse. That to me is awkward social behavior, certainly inappropriate. But I think I think we need to be really careful about not lumping it all together because I think when we lump it all together, we're minimizing the real problems which do exist, the, the abuse, the rape, the demand for sexual favors in order to keep your job, those things really happen, you know? Exactly. I want to get into talking more about that, and we'll talk as well about some of the ways that um, this can be addressed and is being addressed. Dr. Arlen Diamond is talking with us on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter on our program on uh, Sunday morning. We try to get into interesting areas of discussion. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall's Talking Baseball follows our 9 o'clock update on the fan. We are in discussion with uh, Dr. Arlen Diamond, who is president of Diamond Associates, a workplace consultant, um, and she is joining us on our program. She's also an author, as she has mentioned. She has a number of books uh, to her credit when we talk about this idea of um, sexual harassment or um, sexual assault, but especially sexual harassment, let's start there. When we talk about workplace training these days, what do you think really works? What's effective in terms of that training? Uh, yeah, I love the distinction that you just made. Because certainly the rapist is not going to change because of any training we give him. Uh, but the harasser is typically somebody that is telling a joke or is, has uh, kind of an inept uh, sense of social clues and things of that nature. So I, I think there's different kinds of training. And I think that the kind of training that enables for conversation for why what one person thinks is funny, the other person thinks is humiliating, um, to, to role-play, to question and answer. I think those kinds of trainings make profound differences in decent people who really don't want to be behaving badly. Um, I think the, a lot of training uh, are really... Um, just, you know, watch something, listen to something, and let, let us give you the scare tactics of how many lawsuits there are and what the statistics are. And those don't make any changes. And we've all been subject to some kind of training that we've had to take to something or other that, you know, we just suffer through it. But on face-to-face -face discussions with training, um, I think, are very effective. Having said that, I have to tell you that I, too, have created online training because sometimes that's the only practical way for an employer to um, reach out to his, to his employees. So, um, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. But I don't think anything is more effective than face-to-face -face training. Um, my experience has been that most people don't really intend harm. They, they do something out of, uh, out of some foolish idea that they're being cute. Um, and that can be changed. 
when we talk about this topic, you know, it seems like every day there's some new report uh, involving someone that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something that that person did or is alleged to have done, or whether it's something that that person is alleged to have done to others or has been found to have done or has admitted doing. I mean, it's almost daily, literally, that this information is coming forth. I wonder, is it almost overload? It's a good question. Um, and not yet, and does but that, we're getting there. <laughs> does that have a danger? I mean, is, is there a danger with Oh, that? absolutely. We're, and that's why I made the, the statement that I did about uh, the two women that have reported something with Tom Brocco. I don't know what truth is, and I, I, I'm not in any way, you know, impugning what they say. But if we go back 20, 30, 40 years in anybody's life and look for something ridiculous or disgusting that they've done, I bet we could find it. I don't think you know any of us are pure, myself included, and um, and I think we have to be very careful about that. I, I really strongly fear the backlash that's happening because of uh, people coming forward and saying, you know, this happened to me twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years ago. Um, I was thinking about some of the things that have happened to me, um, and I mean, it's like dozens of examples of some stupid thing that happened that you walk away from. Um, and I've been obviously more fortunate than a lot of people. Again, I'm not talking about physical violence. I'm not talking about rape. And I'm not talking about forcing somebody to uh, comply to your wishes in order to keep their job. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about harassment. Harassment means to annoy. If you, I mean, if we use a different word there, right? So... Where we've all been annoyed by people who socially just don't get it. But, you know, there's another side of that. I was just thinking about that as I said it. That we women have been raised to be polite and nice and not hurt a guy's feelings. And I can recall, going back to my teen years, which was quite a few years ago, I can recall making up excuses when I wasn't interested in dating a particular boy rather than saying, however nicely you say it, you're not my type. You know, I'd make up crazy excuses as to why, I, you know, I was saying no. And I think many women have been taught that that's the polite way to do it. Well, you know, as I look at it now from my, you know, wisdom, old age perspective, uh, clearly we were giving mis- mixed messages and we need to be careful. We need to take responsibility. And again, I'm not blaming the victim, but we need to take responsibility for our own part in it. That we need to, we need to be clear in our messages. Uh, no means no, and we need to learn how to say no and mean it. Right. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is our phone number here at WFAN. If you want to join us in uh, this discussion, we're talking with Dr. Arlen Diamond on our program on the fan this hour of our program. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not also ask you about something that I've mentioned, alluded to a couple of times in discussion. 
The news came out Thursday afternoon uh, from this um, courtroom, Montgomery County Courthouse uh, in uh, Norristown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, out north and west of uh, Philadelphia, that uh, Bill Cosby had been found guilty on uh, three counts um, related to a form of uh, sexual assault mm-hmm. uh, as part of a retrial in this case. Uh, news splashed all over the place. Um, two thoughts with this. One, your reaction to that. And number two, I think is a natural question, since this was a retrial, do you think the Me Too movement played a part in the way that the jury perceived this case? So to answer the second question, because it's the quicker, yes, absolutely. I think what's happening is a recognition that our gods have feet of clay. Um, (laughs) I, I mean, I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified when I first heard of the allegations against Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. because I, like everybody else, remembered Dr. Huxtable and, and remembered this squeaky clean guy. How could he possibly? And then it took me a while, and I dug out of my memory. I had been to um, a show, you know, live live show where he was the comedian, and I remember seeing him sitting on the, the, the floor of the stage with his legs dangling over the stage. And he was telling some pretty, in my opinion, vile, dirty jokes. Um, and he was, he was faltering. I actually felt that he had some kind of uh, neurological problem. And I don't know whether that's true or not. But he was losing it as he was talking. Um, this is many, many years ago, as a matter of fact. You know, so, you know, there was that inkling that he could be a dirty old man. Um, but it, but Dr. Huxtable, the, the clean cut, and every time he was on TV, he was squeaky clean. And so it's horrible to, to contemplate that someone like that could possibly have done anything like drugging people and raping them, uh, which is pretty heinous if you think about it, uh, and weird. Mm-hmm. Um so the Me Too movement has highlighted that, yeah, those kinds of things happen. Um, and so I think, uh, I think we all have to kind of reassess the way that we think about people. Is that what we take away from this, from the, for better, oh, lack of a better term, the sexual <laughs> harassment standpoint? Oh, I hope not. That's such an awful thing to contemplate, that you, that you can't trust anyone, that people that you think are wonderful are really louses. That's I mean, a terrible message to take away. Um, again, I think we're at a time where we're highlighting the minority of people as opposed to the majority of people. I think, uh, you know, I, again, I, I refuse to believe that most people aren't decent, um, and, and and that's not to say that I don't I, re, I don't think I'm overly naive, but um, I think the takeaway the, the takeaway has to be that we have to look carefully at every allegation, and we have to take seriously the complaints 
but don't take them as absolute truth without due process. Because the other side of that coin is it is now so easy to destroy a life by an accusation. And those accusations grow, by the way. You know, they get exaggerated as people are given media attention. Um, due process, to me, is really super important. And I also think, and there's got to be a statute of limitations on this, for me to say that this guy 30 years ago did X, Y, Z to me, there's no way, there, unless like, there were witnesses or I had a camera going or something, there is no way to prove or disprove it. Well, it gets into the, when it gets down to a trial, it gets into the believability literally of the person making the accusation. Right. Or, you know, there's a numbers game that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Cosby, there there was enough detailed solid evidence from, I, I didn't watch the trial, but just from what I get from the media, to uh, to establish that, that this was true. Um, but take, again, I, I don't know what truth is, and I'm not trying to defend him, but take the accusation against Tom Bruckow. That's clearly, uh, he said, she said, um, but there's no amount of, you know, there's, there's no way of proving it one way or the other. Who yells louder, I did or I didn't? Hmm. Why is it that so few companies, it seems, <laughs> offer workplace training on sexual harassment? I, I think I think for a lot of reasons, but I think it's because they don't want to pay the bill for it because they don't see it as contributing to the bottom line. And um, I think that's probably the primary reason. Uh, the secondary reason, of course, is that, you know, they, they, the statistics say that most training, um, which most of it is, as I said, not very interactive, but that the statistics are that no change happens. Um, I think that they also think they can get away without doing training. Companies with less than 50 employees are not mandated to train. Um, and what's changing now, of course, is people realizing, you know what, we better take this seriously. We better train our employees on appropriate social workplace behavior. Because it's really, what we're really talking about is social behaviors, is knowing how to interact with uh, somebody of the opposite sex, although there have been some same-sex accusations as well. Right. Um, there's a case out here in... in um, uh, San Jose, where, where Actually, I live. hold that thought, because I want, to, want you to be able to talk about that in some detail. We're going to take a pause, come back, okay. talk more with Dr. Arlen Diamond on our program. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're locked into a discussion with Dr. Arlen Diamond on our program. After our 8 o'clock update, you're going to be want to, locked in, want to be locked into the Sports Edge program with uh, Rick Wolf. Uh, our discussion here is talking about this topic of... Um, Sexual assault awareness um, this month of April uh, has the designation, one of them, as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. We've been talking about sexual assault awareness, uh, sexual harassment, a little bit of talk about uh, workplace uh, training as well. I had posed the question to uh, Dr. Diamond about the idea of why it is or why it seems that so few companies uh, want to um, or even offer uh, workplace uh, training in this area you were 
going to tell us about a case in the, the San Jose area? Yes. Um, there is a woman executive in one of the biggest nonprofits out here who is being accused of having created a hostile work environment because she's raunchy. Uh, and there are a couple of points about it. One, of course, is we don't normally think of women creating hostile work environments. And two, her CEO is in trouble for not having, not having noticed and dealt with it. But, you know, as I was waiting as, uh, for the break, I was thinking about how the culture in the workplace has changed, and I am about to sound as old as I am. But when I was growing up and working in New York, I was referred to as Miss Schwartz, and my boss was Mr. Chad or Mr. Dutka or Mr. Whoever. Um, out here, we're all first name. Out here in Silicon Valley, our CEOs uh, think that they're being one of the boys by have, living in a cubicle rather than, you know, the corner office. Um, people dress. People actually wear pajamas to work or, or ripped jeans or cut-offs or, I don't know, whatever. The, the boundaries have gone away. The, the standards of behavior have gone away. Uh, it used to be that if you were in a, a college classroom, you had to wait 20 minutes for your professor. Now, if your professor doesn't show up in five minutes, you're out the door. <laughs> and you're calling him by his first name. I, I mean, seriously. Um, those kinds of things that created social, social cl- uh, clues have disappeared. It's an anything-goes um, society. And then if you add on top of that... We have people working with us, and you're in the East Coast, I'm in the West Coast. It's probably not as prevalent in the middle of the country. But we have people from other countries with other cultural values uh, who think that women are to be used. Um, So we have a whole bunch of cultural things that we need to fix. And you can't get to that with an online uh, training, which just gives you basically the rules and some examples. One of the things that I do in my online training is I have uh, examples and I ask my audience to to rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. How serious do you think this is? And I've collected um, some samples of that. And and the cultural differences are amazing that um, some of the examples in that series of 10 are very minor kinds of things, you know, just a silly remark or... um, touching someone on the back or something to that effect. And people from India will rate every one of those examples as very strong violations of propriety, whereas young American, American-born and raised men um, will have a range that they're as to how they're rating things. So, you know, Cultural differences, we have age differences, we have the loss of uh, boundaries and social norms. It's really hard. The times, they are a-changing, to yeah. say the least. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Arlene Diamond uh, talking with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. WFAN's toll-free line is 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Tell you what, let's do a call here from somebody who's listening to us who wants to join the discussion. We'll go to uh, John in Monmouth Junction, New Jersey. John, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Uh, good morning. 
this is really unusual for for me because I was just uh, I was taken back because uh, the young lady that I spoke to was actually one of the first young ladies that I've seen at WFAN on the call. You know, the call line. I haven't seen very many of them. That's but, true. But uh, besides, I just wanted to say that is that is that typical? Well, I guess there probably aren't as many as um, one would think that maybe there should be. Um, All right. Well, now that that's said, because I told her I was going to say that, because (laughs) my first thing was going to be, what about the elephant in the room, Trump? How many times does somebody have to be accused before it's the tipping point? I think there's always a tipping point, maybe one, two, three, four, five. Tell me when it stops, six, seven. I don't know. I mean, he's our president. What kind of role model is that for this kind of topic? I mean, kids, young young ladies, young men look at this and they say, hey, he can do it. I don't, you know, like, what's the big deal? Uh, he's making misogynism a course. It's really, really upsetting. I have a daughter. I have a wonderful wife, great family, mother, all, all of but and I just... Can't stand it. Yeah, can I have a comment? Okay. I got. Thank you. I really want to start pointing fingers politically, but um, I think that our attitudes have changed. I mean, if you go back to Jefferson, Jefferson uh, had a slave as a mistress, a woman slave as a mistress. That was considered acceptable in those days. Um, um, FDR, we learned after he died, FDR had a mistress. Um, um, Kennedy, as much as we all adored him, uh, Kennedy had a series of women that were brought to him. Um, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. Um, So men in power have many of them. Many men in power have abused that power. No question about it. Um, Some things have been covered up. Others have become more public. Uh, the media has changed. Uh, if you go back to FDR, uh, nobody knew until well after he, at least the public didn't know until well after he was dead, that he had had a mistress because people's private lives were kept out of the media. Um, Kennedy, too, was, you know, not everybody knew, wasn't broadcast in the media every day as to uh, Kennedy's philandering. Is that the right word? Um, so I think what's happening now is that the media is paying attention and the media is highlighting these things. Um, so we look at Trump and we see all his warts. But let's not, let's not forget the fact that he's not the only president that has uh, had those kind of warts. When we talk about this idea of the modern-day workplace and... Those are some pretty incredible examples that you cited earlier about things that take place in the workplace in the area of the country where you are. The, mm-hmm. idea, the idea, first of all, of people wearing their pajamas to work. <laughs> you know, that's, that, to, to me, that's a, more than a little bit over the edge. But one of the issues that often comes up in discussion and ties in in a way to what we're talking about today is this concept of whether or not it's allowable for employees to date. 
Ah, yes. It's such a mixed bag. It is such a bizarre kind of a situation. Most companies out here, most companies have no dating policies, and most of those no dating policies are violated. And I'm and I thinking, thinking about this. I mean, where is the most logical, safest place to meet someone to date them? The workplace. After, after school, after you're out of college now and you're, and you're working. It's the person you see day in and day out. It's the person whose character you have a chance to assess. It's the person that you have other people that will give you feedback about because they, they too are working. So, you know, from the, the sense of a parent advising a child, dating in the workplace makes the best sense. From the workplace perspective, anything and everything can go wrong. Um, there's there's the, the the problem of favoritism. There's the problem of did he take advantage of her because he's a, her supervisor or even a manager in another department? Um, what about other people who find out about it? What are their reactions going to be? I mean, so so the problems are really enormous. But the natural tendency, I think, is for us to date each other. Um, and then I think about how many companies have family members uh, working there. How many companies have husbands and wives working together? Small businesses, lots of small businesses, would you know that would be true about. Um, I rec- it's interesting. I recently interviewed a CEO of um, a, f- a chain of, of florist company uh, shops. Very very. Um, established out here, very uh, successful chain. And his wife works beside him. So it's it's kind of a crazy mix. It's safer not to do it, but it makes sense to do it. And I have to confess that I certainly dated one of my bosses while I was still living in New York. Um, but we were smart enough to not let it affect our work relationship. And we... And we did work together, actually. No right answer. <laughs> well, let's go back to the phone at 877-337-6666. That's our phone number here at The Fan. Rick Wolf has the Sports Edge after our 8 o'clock update. We go to Tom in Tom's River, New Jersey. Tom, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Hey, good morning. I've spoken to you a couple of times on topics. What a really interesting topic. But I, I agree with, with um, I'm sorry, ma'am, I, I didn't get your name, but Dr. you made a really profound point that the societal norms for propriety have changed. Um, my mom raised us when we were growing up to treat women equally and not treat them obje- as, a, as objects. But what I'm seeing now is we've all known people in the workplace, men mostly, that were what you would call goonish. But I've noticed that women starting now have this this attitude where I've never seen it coming. And for somebody like me, it really is uncomfortable because the whole balance has changed. And one more thing, I think parents need to be going back to being parents and teaching people appropriate behaviors. Great show. Best two hours on radio, bro. Okay. Thank you very much for your kind words as well. Um, Your reaction, Dr. Diamond? Oh, I love the compliment. Thank you very much. And And I think there's truth. But I think that, you know, there's so many, there's just so many factors. Um, moms are no longer staying home. They're forced to work uh, because the economy is such that, you know, 
that many, many women are forced to work, and of course many, many women choose to work as well. Uh, people are not sitting down to dinner and, you know, learning which fork to use so much as grabbing a bite in front of the TV. Um, I, I sit in restaurants, and again, I'm out here in Silicon Valley, and I watch people texting each other across the table rather than talking to each other. I, was so I, a, I mean it. I, I was sitting in a restaurant the other night, and i got to be honest with you, I fell right into that mindset. Oh, my and, God. And sat there thinking to myself, how silly is this? <laughs> how absolutely silly is this? But, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, things have completely changed. Yeah. Mm. When we talk about these changes and the overall discussion that we're having, does school or the school system, the educational system, have a role to play? You know, it does. And, and there's something that's funny. I just just wrote about it. Um, there was a, a picture in our local newspaper of teenagers and, and in the school lined up. There's a line down the middle. I guess it was the gym. There's a line down the middle of the gym. The boys are on one side, the girls are on the other, and the caption had to do with teaching them the concept of consent. And I was kind of horrified. You know, and I think if you go back in time when one of the courses that we all had was how to dance, and uh, (laughs) there, there was a time when Social social behaviors were part and parcel of your learning, both at home and at school. And if you went to church or synagogue, you know, there, um, you you learned all those things when you were very young. And I also think about the fact, and I think you can appreciate that being on the East Coast, you know, we were street kids. We learned how to learn how to deal with each other, whereas now, out here in particular, um, Everybody's in a car. Everybody's protected. Every activity that children have is supervised by an adult. And, and they don't learn the give and take. They don't learn the clues because they haven't needed to. Their parent or teacher or whomever is going to say, do this, don't do this. Um, so I, I think we need to, to really pay attention to all that we've lost. And I hate to sound stuffy when I, you know, about that, and, you know, like I'm really old. But um, but I, I, I just think so much of this is social awkwardness, and I think that we can, we can fix it, and I hope, certainly hope so. And again, I'm talking about the silly stuff, the harassment, the jokes, the um, picking somebody up by the mm-hmm. elbows. Exactly. Dr. Arlen Diamond, uh, who is president of Diamond Associates. By the way, they're on the web at Diamond Associates. That's with an S dot net. As she is also an author. She's shared an awful lot with us in our discussion. Thank you very much for your perspective. Thank you very much for having me. That's going to do it for our fun fest here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.